I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Chanti. And I'm Lynx, and you're listening to Muses. Enjoy the show. Hey there, you're listening to Muses, the podcast all about the fascinating women in rock and roll history. Today, we have a conversation with Brittany Brooks. Brittany Brooks is a Canadian musician, songwriter, and multimedia visual artist. Lynx and I have known Brittany just through the wonders of the internet, Instagram, and we've been following each other for a little while, and we even have friends in common. So I was really excited to be able to chat with her upon her release of her new album, Lend Me Your Hand. This one is a special one because this is when she fully stepped into her craft as a songwriter and self-producer. So she produced this album during quarantine at home herself and it's absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. And one thing that we have in common with Brittany is that she also is very interested in covering and talking about highlighting and educating people about overlooked women in music history, specifically for Brittany in country music history. So one thing that she used to do when back in the day when you could play shows was she would do her own original songs and then she would also cover songs and then she would speak about these women and the history of the songs. We thought that was really amazing. So I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Brittany today. Please head over to Bandcamp and listen to Lend Me Your Hand and consider if you can purchasing this album. There's so much heart, there's so much beauty, there's so much poetry in this. And when we can, if you can, support. Let's support our artists. And, uh, if financially that's just not a thing that you can do right now, share it. 
listen to it, give it a play, tell someone about it. And that's another amazing way that you can help our local musicians during this time. Enjoy the show. I've been good, uh, despite the circumstances. Yeah, I've I've been, I made an album, so I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, I was in Toronto, like, right up until everything, you know, started shutting down in March, and I had the opportunity to come down here and stay with a friend, and it was going to be short term, and then I just was like, mm, maybe we'll stay another week, maybe one more and then I just moved in. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of positive thinking, let's get into this because we both really loved your album. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you girls listened to it. And I'm one of those people that once I listen to an album that truly like hits me and get it like kind of gets into my heart. I'm going to listen to it for the rest of my life. Like that's going to be on my rotation now oh. forever. <laughs> it's, it got me the like you know some albums take a few listens like no it got me from the first song the whole thing first time around first listen I loved it so wow that's amazing I'm so happy that was the reaction you had and yeah it's been pretty incredible to to have just heard people's feedback on it and and have like a similar uh reaction to it that they were saying this this is an album that's going to stay with me and so I'm super thrilled about that I think it came out at like the perfect time too. It was great. I was listening to it when I was like walking to the park and it just like flows so nicely and it was like, it was perfect. It's lovely. I was saying this today. I just finished taking Miss Pamela's writing workshop. And one of the things I was saying to the girls was that like, I'm trying to stir something up in me because I haven't really been experiencing too many emotions I've just been like kind of chill and mellow and while that is very nice I just want to make sure that I am like feeling things good or bad or either way and I think listening to your album like for the first time in in a little while here I really got to pinpoint some actual tangible emotions and <laughs> something and like thank you I needed that wow well I am so glad to tap into your emotions um <laughs> It was definitely, yeah, it's an emotional, it's an emotional record. And uh, um, it is, in the end, it's a love story. It's a true story. It's my story. And uh, it, I crafted it to be um, an exercise of storytelling, too, where you would have a beginning and an end. And so to hear that you are like actually going through the whole album and feeling the flow of that, the emotional range of the album, the highs, the lows. Um, I worked 
really hard on trying to make those specific to my own story, but also universal to anybody that was listening to it. You, yeah. you feel it for sure when you when you listen to it. I'm going to be driving from kind of near Toronto out west to Calgary with my partner and the first time or yeah, I think it was the very first time I heard it. I was like, I can't wait to listen to this as I drive and as I'm with somebody that I love because I felt the love in the album really quickly. Um, and you yourself just said that it is a love story. Are you comfortable sharing in what way it is a love story for you? Or do you just kind of leave it at that and take the rest what you will? Um, I have made it clear that the like anytime I've put out information about the the album that that it is a true story. And of course, like with any sort of writing, whether it be songwriting or writing poetry or um you know, there's definitely parts of it that are a dream and then parts of it that are reality. And so it it does come from my experience of being in a relationship and a relationship between uh, two musicians, which is uh, <laughs> a, a whole other dynamic <laughs> of relationship, especially musicians that are traveling around a lot, just like the nature of the music industry you have a lot of these relationships with people, whether it be romantic or whether it be people that you meet at shows or members of bands that you have. There's a lot of temporary relationships that happen. And so I think that a big theme of the album is that relationship between musicians and just how there is a lot of space in between and distance is always a, a key element of that recipe. For sure. Do you have a specific style when it comes to your writing process or do you find different songs flow out in different ways or are you more like lyrically driven first or what's your process? Well, I'm glad you asked that because this album is totally an anomaly of my regular writing process. Um, so what I'm used to doing and what I've been doing since I started my musical career, I started actually performing music when I was 17 and I'm all self-taught so I've never actually taken a guitar lesson I've had a tiny bit of vocal training I did like a vocal <laughs> class in high school but other than that my training comes from yeah just watching videos of other musicians playing my like story of learning how to play guitar is that it was the summer before grade nine and I just like had this urge to play guitar. I wanted to play guitar so bad. There was like a guy in my class that was playing guitar and I thought, oh my gosh, it's so cool. I want to do that. And so I begged my mom and my stepdad to get me this super cheap, crappy guitar from Costco. You <laughs> <laughs> like, never expect to get your first guitar from Costco, but I did. They they were wonderful and they got it for me. And it came with a VHS tape called How to Play Guitar. Amazing. <laughs> and yeah, I just remember like popping that VHS in and watching it and teaching myself basic chords and then just kind of continued to do that and was keeping my musical kind of evolution to myself. I wasn't making it really like public with friends at school or anything that I was like, secretly writing songs and 
figuring out things on guitar. And then there was a party in high school where someone handed me a guitar and I played one of these like original songs that I had written that I'd never performed for anybody before. And people were like, whoa, you wrote that? And I said, yeah, I did. And then that kind of just shot off from there. And I've been making music ever since then. And as I said, up until now, um, my writing process, like I've always kind of been a little secretive about it. I like to like lock myself in a bedroom and <laughs> work on songs and, and then debut them when they're totally ready to go. And sometimes that takes a while, like lyrically to like get the words right or to get like the guitar sounding the way I want it to. But in the case of this album, because it is such an emotional journey and like the lyrics of it are my true story. I was able to write from my heart and I actually wrote, um, except for two of the songs, I wrote all of them in under a week. Wow. Singing just like Jim and Johnny. episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. If you haven't checked out Best Fiends yet, what are you waiting for? Best Fiends has challenging puzzles, but it's a casual game that anyone can play. How about you impress us with your new level number, Shanti? I'm on level 350. My goodness, you must have picked up some good tips by now. You know, I have. Let me tell you about them. So what Best Fiends does is that they can choose the characters for you based on that level, but sometimes if I get stuck, I'll choose which ones I'm feeling might help me the most. So you can really mix it up, choose who you want, and just keep playing. No level's impossible to beat. I love collecting all those cute characters. I was playing last night in bed with Sea Cake all curled up beside me, and it was just so much fun. I love this game. I enjoy playing when everyone is watching like things on TV that I'm not necessarily into, but I want to kind of still be in the same room with my loved ones. The game is visually vibrant, and they really keep things exciting with fun events and constant new levels. Yeah. No Wi-Fi? No problem. The internet is not required to play, so you can have fun anytime, anywhere while socially distancing. I was just telling you how awful my internet has been lately, so that really helps me out. <laughs> yeah. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, 
eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. It was a crazy kind of outpour, and I had never experienced that before, where it just flowed. I felt like I had unlocked something in me and they all came out in a week. Ah, uh, that must have been such a magical experience. Yeah, it was it was surreal. I totally felt like there was some yeah, like a spirit in me or something, but I've I've been staying in St. Catharines uh with a roommate here and she had actually gone away uh to a cottage for the week and she came back afterwards. And I said to her, I was like, hey, so I, I wrote some songs while you were gone. I think I want to show them to you. And so I started playing some of the songs off the album. And she is also like an artistic producer and she has a great ear for music. And she just kind of stopped after I played the first song. And she was like, what? What <laughs> is this? And so, yeah, it was the first time for me where it all just, it all just happened. It's all happening. It's all happening. <laughs> That's incredible. And I think I've heard that too, like some, you know, like Tom Petty is kind of famous for that too. And just, it just poured out. It just came out. Where did it come from? It all just, like in a really divine way. It's been really nice to be watching you and or like interacting with you a little bit online. We follow each other on Instagram. I saw just before we hopped on here, you had put up a video. Or, um, looks like it was Joni Mitchell. And I started listening to it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be like listening to it as they all come on. So I'll save that for later. <laughs> but it's um, yeah, I didn't quite know like where you were from because you kind of had this like vintage look not of this time but almost like an east coast feel and then I listened to the album and it was you know lots of references of different parts of Canada so where are you from <laughs> <laughs> where the heck am I from what who are you where are you from <laughs> 
Well, I am originally from Niagara. So I I grew up in Grimsby, Ontario, um, a small town. And then I went to university in St. Catharines. So I've been like a Niagara girl for most of my life. And then just recently for the past three years, I've been located in Toronto. But it's so funny that you say you thought I was from the East Coast because a lot of people say that to me. (laughs) They think that I'm from Nova Scotia. And I think perhaps it's because I have spent a lot of time in Nova Scotia. I've done, uh, there's an artist residency that they have out there called White Rabbit Artist Residency, which I went to a handful of years ago and just like kind of met some of the arts and music community there in Nova Scotia. My partner's on the board of that. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, I must, I must have met him while I was, how long has he been on the board? Uh, He's been on the board for like three years and he did his residency the year before that. So I think he's been involved for like four years. Oh, okay, I think I must have just missed him then because my when I went was just over four years ago. Oh, you guys just missed each other. Yeah, that place like has a special place in his heart for sure. Oh, one of the most magical um, places in Canada, and and just like the the energy that's brought there by all of the artists is yeah. It I was there the first or I was there for just under two weeks. And it was one of those experiences where it's like a small amount of time can impact your life in such a huge way. Mm-hmm. You guys have another uh, weird mutual coincidence with friends and situations like that, don't you? Oh, yeah. Willie. Willie. <laughs> I love him so much. Yeah, Willie Stratton. Uh, one of the great Canadian musicians. Um, how do you know Willie? We were kind of sweethearts. <laughs> and we've, we're really good friends. Um, I think we just met at like East Coast Music Week or something. Okay. And then, yeah, we've just been friends for, I don't know, like five years now, I guess. But he played on your album, right? He did. Yeah, he did. And I met Willie one of those times that I was in Nova Scotia and Willie and I were both playing a festival called full circle festival. Oh yeah. Um, And uh, I kind of heard of him before and just through like those people in the Nova Scotia scene and even the Toronto scene, because like at that point I was just starting to play um, country music And so I had gone out there with like my new country sound and yeah, Willie was also playing and it's one of those festivals where you set up and you camp over the weekend. So all of the musicians are there. Yeah. Willie and I just started playing every single cowboy song we possibly knew together and pretty much played together all week. Die to see that. Oh, yeah (laughs) it was so much fun (laughs) there was definitely like an immediate musical chemistry and and we were both interested in like the exact same style of music and so since then we've always been talking that we wanted to do a collaboration of sorts but it, it just hadn't 
worked out yet, especially because of that distance, him still being in Nova Scotia and me in Toronto. Um, But then I was like, oh, I'm making a record during the pandemic where we couldn't actually be in the same studio together anyways. So I'd love to have you record from your home and then I'll mix it over top of what I've recorded from my home. And so in a strange way, like these circumstances have actually allowed us to collaborate when we couldn't before. interesting i love it when people take a situation like this and turn it into like something so positive and they make the best out of that time and i was really curious about the process of recording in your living room and like how that all came about and um just the differences from studio recording to like personal recording yeah it it was a big learning curve um for me i I've worked in studios mostly before and like ranges from like, you know, more DIY places to more kind of professional settings. But with the nature of this album, after I wrote the 11 songs, I just like still felt that kind of fire in me that I wanted to record it and I wanted to get it out now. And that I couldn't wait to like book a studio. I couldn't wait. I just felt this like urge. I'm also an Aries. So I like had to do it. <laughs> and so, yeah, I talked to a few friends of mine uh, who have experience recording and they had recommended some microphones to me. And I said, well, okay, I'm in this house in Niagara. I'm sure I can set up a couple microphones and I can get an interface and get a software for my computer and just lay down these super simple recordings of myself playing guitar and singing. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was kind of a bumpy start because I just wanted to get the process started. But I realized like, oh, right, this is why people go to university for sound engineering. And I can't just like immediately know how to do this. Um, I'm amazed that it was a learning process because it sounds fantastic. Oh, thank you. It was, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with where it ended too. When I read that it was recorded from a living room, I just thought it was like you went to somebody's living room who already knew what they were doing and it was their living room, but it was your living room and your setup and you really did it all yours. Like, the, okay. Absolutely. Yeah, this is um this is like 
I I credit myself as the producer and yeah. <laughs> sound engineer of this album because it was me pressing record on every take and it was me positioning the microphones in front of my mouth and my instrument. And so, and it, you know, there were just things about sound and recording that I didn't know that through trial and error, I just kind of figured out. And, um, and with that too, because it was in the living room, it was, it was super like limiting of when I could actually record because I have a roommate like she's working from home. So most of the recording had to happen in the evening. If there was like even a car driving by outside, you could hear it in the microphones. Frustrating. Yeah. So it was just like another practice of patience for me, I guess. But then once I started to get the hang of it and like learned what the setup was I started to get some good takes and I was like, okay, this is moving along. And so every song is um, recorded where I'm singing and playing at the same time from start to finish. So there's no overdubbing of myself in the song, Mm -hmm. which in itself was another challenge too, because I had just written these songs like a couple weeks before I was recording them. Wow. Yeah. Gee, it's yeah, impressive. <laughs> it's great too because I feel like so many people get in their head where it's like, even with podcasting, for instance, where people have an idea and they want to do it, and then they kind of end up quitting, or it just seems like it's too much to handle on your own. And people, a lot of people, don't even start; they just they're automatically kind of give up on themselves. And it's so nice to hear someone who didn't do that. And you have this incredible work of art now. And it shows you like you just you just got to keep at it. You just got to learn. Just just do it, basically. Yeah. And there (laughs) there was definitely moments where I was I was feeling like because on my end, the recording took about um, I guess it was about three to four weeks to get all of my parts in a place where I wanted them to actually be like the entire process from start to finish of this album is two months. Yeah. There was a moment during the recording. It was probably like the second week. I still wasn't getting any takes I like, and I kept thinking like, delete, this is over. I'm not doing this. My roommate calls this period of time, Dolly Parton in the dark. (laughs) She came home one night and I was just like on repeat listening to Dolly Parton, like in the dark, like I'm not doing the album. It's over. Um, But Dolly and my roommate definitely helped me get through that. And yeah, soldiered on. Get some of that Dolly energy in you and you're good to go again. Absolutely. (laughs) After producing yourself, do you think you would ever in the future want to produce anybody else? Ooh, that's an interesting thought. I, I would love to work with another, another artist for sure. As a producer, I just, the thing is, I'm not, like I said, like I don't have any 
music theory or technical well, I guess now I have these technical abilities, but I think it would be an interesting project to work with somebody else. Um, I'm not sure if I'm there yet, but I definitely know that for myself, it was a huge moment to be able to step up and say, this is what I want to do. This is how I want it to sound. And I'm going to do it no matter what people say. <laughs> Just another cowboy Sitting in the bar room Late at night Funny how it changed so suddenly When you kissed me grateful that you gave me kind of a package as well with with everything in it and after like I listened to the album going for a walk and I've listened to it in the bathtub and then <laughs> afterwards when I saw that you included the lyrics in the package it was like this whole new level of understanding and like sentiment by reading the lyrics and it's yeah such a beautiful story a letter that has a beginning and an end and I just haven't seen this kind of like craftsmanship with an album in a while are you going to be or have you already like released the lyrics kind of like that as well for listeners to enjoy was that just for us or like was that is that um like offering the lyrics will that provide another level of experience for listeners because it certainly did for me i i believe so i when i first put the album out i i just released it on on bandcamp and that was kind of one of the moments where people were saying like the few people I had told that I was working on this and, and the collaborators of the album, like a couple people were saying like, Oh, are, are you sure you don't want to like do a pre-release and like release a single? And I said, no, because the, the album to me is a story and it is like a continuous flow of this poetry so I did make the lyrics available at the beginning intentionally for people to have the chance to read because there is a lot of imagery in there that might kind of get overlooked just by, you know, when you're really into the melody of a song or the instrumentation. Um, totally. And so I, w I was really proud of the poetry that I had crafted for this and and knowing that it was an intention to make it a story and to make it drawn from my personal experience, but relatable to others um, felt like offering those words was an important piece of the album. Awesome. I do really like that too. Lyrics I find for me is what really connects me to music. I, I love a great tune and everything, but I'm, it's always artists who are poets as well, like Leonard Cohen and Patti Smith and people like that, where like, it's really the words that it, it just brings a good song, a good tune to, to a completely different level. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I'm the same. I've always 
been a sucker for lyrics and uh, yeah, been drawn to the the wordsmithing that comes along with music. Who are your influences? And um, Shanti was mentioning we I haven't written an album review, neither has she. And she was talking about how people compare people. This person reminds me of this. Per- this person reminds me of that. Or like if I show my brother like a new artist and I'm like, what do you think about this person? He's like, oh, they remind me of. And if like that's their first thing, I'm kind of like, mm, but what do you think about it? Yeah. I never thought if that was a compliment or not. Like when you listen to a new artist and you immediately think they remind me of or it has like this kind of vibes. Like, is that something in a review that would make you feel good that you saw like, oh, they kind of reminded me of? Or would you be like, I'm not just a copy. I'm not just copying anybody. Does that make sense? That definitely makes sense. And I think for me, it kind of depends who who they are going to be comparing me to. uh, and, and kind of just like how informed they are. I find that a lot of the times, like, um, being a woman with an acoustic guitar, you're always going to get, and, and I have a high vocal range that like everybody will pull out a Joni Mitchell comparison, which I am 100% okay with because I'm a huge fan of Joni, but it's like, so what actually is making me like her right now? Is it the way I'm writing my songs and the lyricism that I'm offering? Is it the way that I'm playing guitar because Joni Mitchell was such an inventive guitar player? Or is it merely the fact that I'm a woman that has a high voice that's singing this folk style of music? Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've always been kind of like, I think there is a genuine, there is something good about being able to say this person sounds like, but I would hope that that is like informed and that the person that's doing the comparison, like, you know, isn't just saying you sound like this person because you're a woman and she's a woman. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you both, you're both holding a guitar. you <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. like? <laughs> They're definitely alike. And like some people do that and, it's, it has like bugged me in the past, but like, I think if they can go deeper on like, why are you comparing this artist to this artist? Are they actually similar? Then there is um, something good about that. Do you hear your influences in your music? Uh, I absolutely do. Yeah. And I'm kind of like an amalgamation of a lot of these different genres that I have been exploring over the years like I did start out as a folk musician um but playing kind of more experimental folk music and like new uh sounding folk and then after that I took like a really deep dive into classic country music and became obsessed with the history of country music and in particular like the women in the history of country music. And so now I kind of feel like I'm at the point where I float between those two. And I do feel like I reference some of the artists that I like in the country scene and then in the folk scene, but then rock and roll too. Like 
I, I love it all. And so I, I like to kind of float back and forth between those genres. Um, and yeah, I think this album kind of shows all my interests in, in one package. Uh, like us, we have something in common. You know, you felt the importance of highlighting and sharing the stories of overlooked female musicians. And in your case, it's been in country music history. Um, so in your shows, when you were doing the originals as well as the country cover songs, who did you speak about? Which artists did you enjoy covering the most? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I guess I'll pick my like top favorite. And it's a woman named Charlene Arthur. Mm-hmm. Have you girls ever heard of her? I haven't. No. Okay, great. <laughs> tell us, tell us. <laughs> so Charlene Arthur is a country and rockabilly musician from the early 50s. And she made her start as a DJ radio host. And then she started writing her own music and performing with a band. And she's on this country show called The Big D Jamboree. <laughs> Hilarious name. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, there had been other women in history that had been performing on that show and lots of other, yeah, notable musicians. And she was kind of like the new person to town. And so she walks up on the stage and she's the first woman ever to perform at the Big D Jamboree while smoking a cigarette on stage and wearing pants Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. What a badass. Total badass. Like first woman ever to wear pants on that stage. Damn, that's amazing. I've never yeah. heard of her before. I'm going to have to look her up after. You had to have us share one of her songs. Can you think of one on the top, off the top of your head that would be a good one to play? Yes, absolutely. Her song called Hello Baby. This song is how I start all of my country sets. I always start with Hello Baby by Charlene Arthur. Okay, then let's listen to it right now. Hello, baby. Sure glad to have you home. question about Charlene and country in general uh, especially older country music the visual aspect like the fashion was very important and mm-hmm. you know, people like Hank Williams and Audrey and you know they always were like so sharply dressed I'm picturing like Charlene wearing amazing suits and everything as well and I I've seen you uh you know, through your posts and you on stage and everything, and you have a amazing aesthetic as well. And I was just wondering if you could talk about that a little bit and 
how how did you like come to love country and you know really immerse yourself into this so I I did not come from a musical family at all like there wasn't actually music on in my house when I was growing up and so I'm kind of self-made in in a way where I've just been able to find what I like and and explore things and so I my whole life have been just so interested in music and finding out more about music. And I think that it was just kind of over the evolution of me getting really into folk and then kind of tracing the roots of that. I went back to country and then started listening to some country records. Like I got a Hank Williams record and I remember just being like, what, what is this? And then Patsy Cline and hearing her like just astounding voice and and then yeah like because we live in this day and age I can go on YouTube and look up all of these old performances of musicians that happened so many decades before I was born and with country music kind of similar to rock and roll I think there is this like spectacle to it And so you start to see those like rhinestone suits and the women with the huge like bouffant hairdos and guitars with like custom pick guards with their names painted on them. Yeah. And I just thought, oh my gosh, what is this world? Like it is such a, it is such a world too. And yeah, I guess I was just kind of dazzled by that. And like the fact that they have such an aesthetic, these musicians, um, but then are playing these songs too, that are timeless in a way. And then sometimes really funny. And then sometimes, you know, they're really heartbreaking, but yeah, I've always just been really interested in, in the fashion of country music and Western wear. And so, um, I, I do try and like carry that aesthetic with me when I perform that kind of music. And like nowadays there's kind of this huge comeback of that fashion too. Yeah, for sure. And rightly so. It's like, like you said, it's dazzling really. Like they really did know how to dress well and it, it does kind of amplify the experience. Absolutely. And like, you know, I know you girls are friends with Pamela Debar mm-hmm. and I remember like years ago reading I'm with the band and her talking about making a shirt for Graham Parsons yeah and I was just like at that time I didn't even know who the Flying Burrito Brothers were like I just remember reading it in that book and being like oh I wonder what that looked like and then looking up Graham Parsons and seeing him in the nudie suit and just, yeah, another like iconic look that gave such another level of experience to them as performers and musicians, but also as, yeah, this visually amazing thing to take in. So did you kind of find yourself at like vintage clothing stores being just naturally attracted that kind of aesthetic? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've always been like a vintage nerd and have always like tried to buy secondhand. Um, 
I would say it was probably when I purchased a rhinestoning gun was when it, <laughs> <laughs> when it really got elevated. Um, and I, really, I think it's cool when people find an aesthetic or like an era and they like commit to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I definitely like compared to some and just like, you know, I'm not the, the extreme of it at all. I just totally appreciate the fashion. Um, but I know there's so many people out there nowadays that are really like rocking the, the Western wear and, um, like a seventies vibe or exactly. Yeah. Seventies, yeah, fair faucet hair. Like it's all coming back. And then, you know, having said all that, the photos for Lend Me Your Hand, they seem very kind of stripped down and bare in a really like beautiful and elegant way. I that was a conscious choice for sure, um, because when I was performing or when I do perform country music, I, I play with a band. We're called the Saddle Pals. Mm-hmm. I kind of take on like another personality and people know me as like BB, BB in the saddle pals. And I've got, you know, similar to those fifties and sixties country performers, a bit of a shtick on stage. And I kick my leg up in my red cowboy boots and it's, you know, it, it can be really cutesy. Um, but for this album, I kind of felt like, this is my debut um, as more of a sophisticated songwriter than I think a lot of people have seen me as before. And I wanted it to be kind of this image of me that had more of like, here I am as this mature woman now, and this album is not a shtick. This is me. This is Brittany Brooks. And so, yeah, I chose to get, um, I knew I wanted it to be like a white dress that was super simple. And so I got this dress from a shop in Toronto called Black Diamond Vintage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had these like angel sleeves on it. And I thought, oh, this is so Stevie Nicks. This be so great. And I had ordered it in the mail. And when it arrived, it was actually like kind of this polyester white, super bright. Like it kind of reminded me of 80s. Mm. It, it just wasn't the the more like natural vibe just because of that color of the fabric. And so I actually dyed the dress in a big pot of chamomile tea. <laughs> and so the the dress and the slip that I wear throughout the promotional images for the album are ones that I dyed in chamomile tea and then hung in the backyard here at the house in a mulberry tree to dry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That is so perfect, though. Like, that makes total sense. And it's... It's so stunning too. That dress is beautiful on you, especially. You're like, um, like the white witch Stevie Nicks. 
oh, I love that. <laughs> but also, like, I saw it and it didn't remind me of anything or anyone. It really did seem authentically you. And congratulations on this beautiful debut of Brittany Brooks. And I hope as many people as possible get to hear this album. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad to be here with you girls talking about it tonight. And yeah, I'm excited for people to hear it too. And because it was released digitally and because of what's going on in the world right now, it's unclear about what is going to be next. Like, will I be performing these songs live? Will this album just live digitally like it does now? I'm, I'm not sure, but I am so, so happy that it is in people's ears and that people are taking it on drives to Calgary with them and on walks to the park. So that makes me so, so happy. So tell our listeners every place they can find you. All right. So right now I'm on all streaming platforms on, uh, on the internet. So Bandcamp, Spotify, um, Bandcamp is the only place too that you can purchase the album. And so if you do want to purchase a digital copy of it, you can go there. Uh, and then also I was just gonna say that, like just because we can listen to it and stream for free, make that purchase. It's so important to to support our artists. It's an important time to to be purchasing music, you know, if you're in the position to do that for sure. Because I, I'm used to supporting music too by like by going out to shows, buying tickets, by putting money in the jug at the show, tipping the band. And so because I can't do that now, I've been trying to be very conscious just of, of purchasing music and, and supporting those artists if, if it's possible or if it's not possible and trying to like spread the word of that artist online. And You're right. Yeah. That's- that's a good way to put it as well. If you can, and here are some other ways to support. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Is there anything that we didn't mention that we can mention now and kind of put in, put into this conversation? Do we miss anything? Well, I guess I just, I do want to give credit to, to the, um, other than our dear Willie Stratton, but the other musicians who contributed to the album. Yes. And so Willie recorded his parts in Nova Scotia from his home. And then my friend Alex Janella, uh, who played fiddle on the record, he recorded his parts from Montreal. And then we have Aaron Goldstein in Toronto, who played the pedal steel on the record. Um, and then David James Allen, who uh, is in Prince Edward County mm-hmm. these days, um, he lent his voice for the the duet that's on the record called I "Man on the Road." Song. Yeah, he, I think he sounds so dreamy on it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, totally, he definitely has such a great voice, and so he he lent his voice for that song. And then the entire thing was mixed. Um, by Kenneth Roy Meehan, who is actually here in St. Catharines. So from all over places in Canada, this record was, uh, was made. So yeah, I love the that. COVID record, the made in the pandemic record. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for talking to us about it and uh, recording this and sharing it with all of us. It's just, it's, it is really wonderful. Yeah, I had guests over this weekend, and it was the first album that I put on when we were all hanging out. <laughs> oh! I'm sure I continue to do that when I have people over, or, you know. Oh, that makes my heart so full. Thank you so much, Shanti and Lynx, for having me on the show. I'm, yeah, a longtime fan, so it's such an honor to chat with you gals and, and be a part of this amazing podcast that you're producing. Oh, thank you. Wish I could lay by your side and untangle your twisted mind. Leave your thoughts soft as the shadows we cast. Blind me your hands and I'll pretend to read your poem. Find an answer in the line running so. Why was I right and our time alone? A letter from Mexico, Walker in Lake Ontario. I'm looking Muses is produced by Chantal Lemieux and Lynx O'Leary and is part of the Pantheon family of podcasts. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at pantheonpodcasts.com. All songs can be found wherever you get your music. Please download and purchase these great and important tracks. Come find us at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods or see us at R&R Archaeology on Instagram. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you, and let's make season two even more memorable together.